Uh, hello and welcome to episode 14 of what we're listening to. My name is Josh and with me is my good friend and black and white sneak sneaker wearing friend Asher. How are you, sir? <laughs> They're mostly just black, but sure. Before you, before you um, ask me the quiz, you have to tell the listeners what you just told me. So I've just gone, I've just gone back an hour in um, daylight savings here in Australia and feeling a little groggy, but Josh told me what? <laughs> that I should blame. Uh, I said you should blame Chris Martin for it. Um, really, it's not his I fault. Because uh, obviously he's, he's the lead singer of Coldplay and nothing to do with daylight savings. Uh, his great grandfather was one of like the the big uh, unionizers for British summertime being a thing, um, which inspired him to write the song "Clocks." Yeah, it's uh, you know. <laughs> and here I was just thinking it was a nice sounding name for a song. There you go. I should have made I should have made that the quiz for you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't give Coldplay credit where credit is due. That. You know, I need to be more generous. Anyway, my mind is blown, but <laughs> you have a quiz yes. for me? I do. So in light of the uh, 20th birthday of the Radiohead album Kid A, mm-hmm. I have some Radiohead uh, quiz for you. Nice. Um, so rather famously, the uh, writing period leading up to Kid A was quite a tough time for them. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to do a lot of stuff. And they ended up writing a ton of music. And a lot of which they discarded or put on to Amnesiac. And there were three songs that they talked about um, as being kind of done, but they didn't want to put on either album. And have since been recorded and actually put onto records. Oh. <laughs> Would you like a hint? I mean... I don't think one of them's Lyft because that was an okay computer. One, Good. Right? Okay. Th- that is yeah. That is not the case. Um, I can I can tell you which albums they're on. Uh, sure, go for it. I'll try and guess. All right, there are two on a moon shaped pool and one on in rainbows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna open up those albums. <laughs> that's that's fine because I I don't know the track listings. Um, well enough to know. Uh, is one of, is videotape off? Um, Kid A originally. It is not. Oh. I'm sorry. Okay. Can I just go through t- all of the tracks? <laughs> you have two more guesses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me have a look at um hail. Uh, sorry. Um, uh, a moonshape pool. Just to check. So you can cut out the long pauses here. The thing is, I don't know a moonshape pool as well. I'm not going to try and guess a moonshape pool. I'm just going to try and guess um, in rainbows. I'll give you another hint for the in rainbows one. Sure. They didn't record it for the longest time because Tom York didn't feel comfortable singing it. It was too high in his register for a long time. Uh, House of Cards. One one guest left, Asher. <laughs> I am so good at this. 
Dude, you're just gonna have to give me the names. Like, I I thought you were gonna guess uh, the gimme. So uh, it is the song uh, "Nude" off of uh, In Rainbows. I don't know that one as well, but sure. And then um, "Burn the Witch" was written during Kid A. No way. What? And uh, I was thinking uh, that I was like, no, nah, that's that sounds too. It sounds too new to me to be off Kid A. That's crazy. And then the uh, the last song on the album, um, my mind's drawing a blank. <laughs> yeah, I don't know it. Uh, True Love Waits is what it's called. Okay, yeah. And that was actually the only song that had ever been recorded because there is a live EP with a version of Tom playing that song. Um, okay. But wow. Yeah, I think if you listen to them playing a live version of Burn the Witch, it's actually very electronic, kind of like Kid A, like the. I think I have heard it played live. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of sub bass to it, which is quite Kid A like in some ways. Mm. Anyway, I wouldn't anyway. call that writer's block though. <laughs> like that's well, that's a very good song. They had like writer's block, then they had like writer's explosion, like a couple months afterwards. Right. Um. Otherwise, do you have any catch up, sir? I don't really have any. I, I just have an amendment to a statement I made. <laughs> Oh, an, an amendment. We never well, had one of those before. Well, you know, I I said I was listening to back back to episode thirteen, and I said the line, "I never promised to be consistent." <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I mean, in some ways, I was being a little funny and kind of true, like in that my views will always kind of not always be, you know, consistent with each other and. Which is why I'm hesitant to like give ratings sometimes because I feel like <laughs> one thing I'll give one and then I'll give another one. And people are like, why these albums are totally different, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not promising to be super consistent because I don't promise to be an amazing music reviewer. However, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I did actually mean I was being funny, but I did. You commenting about how one note riffs are a bit close to drone, but I don't like one note riffs and I do like drone. However, I do think they're very fundamentally different. And to explain myself more fully, drone music is not necessarily a one-note riff. It does seem a lot more boring. However, what it lacks <laughs> in movement, it makes up for in texture. And so that's why I'm more drawn to drone music for different reasons. And also, if I'm coming to rock music, I want something that's really kind of fun and loud and, and kind of... Or has a bit of prowess to it as well. So, anyway, I I'm going to try and be more consistent. But there you go. I you don't have to be. It's okay. I <laughs> I just was reflecting upon that as well. It's fine. Um, yeah. Just and also I just wanted to talk about that because I don't feel like I didn't feel like I actually addressed the difference between the two. Anyway. So there you go. Fair enough. Yeah, that's all I've got. I I'm yeah. sorry I didn't listen to. Um, Will Johnson and that I just didn't have time the past couple of weeks, but um, it's okay. Yeah, maybe I'll have a look later on. I think you would like him. Okay, sweet. Um, all right, uh, own time. Own time reviews. So, what have you been listening to this week, sir? So, I've been listening to a few things, and I'll I'll mention the ones I don't mention here in honorable mentions, but um, an artist a couple of months ago, caught my eye on Twitter. Um, and their name is Sylvan Esso. They're a, 
a duo from Durham in the States, not Durham in the UK. Um, <laughs> and they are electronic duo, a man and a woman. Um, and this clip was just, it was like evidently a video clip. And there was this woman kind of in the ocean, just swimming and singing. And at first it was just like solo voice with vocoder. And then it kind of grew and grew as the camera pans up like a drone over the top of this ocean. And, um, and it was this song called What If from this new album by this group, Sylvanesso. And I was intrigued because I, it, it sounded a little bit Imogen Heap slash Boniver. And I mentioned mm. this a while ago. And um, then unfortunately that track wasn't one of the singles on the album. So I was like, oh, okay. So I listened to the other song that was on there, which was very different. It was like a very dancey tune um, that was called Ferris Wheel. But I still was like, hmm, this is very intriguing. And so last Friday, uh, yeah, um, no, the Friday before, sorry. It, um, on the 25th, we had several albums drop. Um <laughs> And this was one of them. And so I've been listening to this for about a week on repeat. And I've been really loving it. Um, so just, just to give you an idea, I don't know a lot about Sylvanesso's back catalogue, but this album is very much an electro-pop sort of dance album. Um, it's uh, Josh, you sent me a clip of them playing a couple of the songs live and it seems to be a setup of mostly uh, kind of modular synths and her singing vocals, which is pretty cool. So, you know, lots of drum machines and other things like that. They have excellent production. I listened to this um, at home with like wearing nice headphones and I was just, it's just beautiful. The bass line, like the synth bass sounds and the drums and even the attention to detail and all the like clicky blippy sort of yeah. electronic bits. <clears throat> Did you find that? They they definitely don't get lost uh, in the mix. Um, mm. I um, so I I listened to this last week a little bit too because of your recommendation, and um, it's kind of like a techno Regina Spector in my head a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, her, yeah, she, her she vocal does, style is a bit older. Yeah, but she has a lot of the her vocals as percussion in parts of it is too, like mm. lots of whoops yep. and and um, yelps and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. It, the layers are very well done in the songs. Yeah, it's it's a really it's kind of succinct. It's a very short album. I think it's just ten songs, and it isn't. I don't think it's forty minutes. It's um quite short in terms of other albums. But um, the it's pop music. I don't really connect with any of the lyrics. Um, they're very cool. You know, slide in my DMs. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and I think the theme of the album is love personified as a woman. I, I, I don't know. Um, free love is the name of the album and, um, yeah, just kind of like a feel good album. Uh, so yeah, I didn't really get lots out of it in terms of lyrics, but I just really enjoyed, um, the flow. So yeah, what if is the first track and it's very mellow and vocoder and that sort of thing. And then there's like a dancey sort of middle section. And then we end off with a song that's very similar to What If. Um, she seems to do these nice songs which begin like solo vocal and then progress to like quite large, lush sounds and then go back to solo vocal. And that other song was called 
um, make it easy. So the album kind of begins and ends with this very similar songwriting style. And I really appreciate it. Um, both those tracks are beautiful and make it easy is one of the most beautiful songs on the album. Um, mm. but my other favorite is ring. I think yeah. there's just something great about the really fast hi-hat on top of these lush sort of almost 80s synth swell sorts of things. Yeah. Did you that have was any... definitely one of the ones that, that one of the ones that stood out to me the most is Ring. Yeah. Um that and the song Free. Um okay. I found it really uncomfortable. I guess it's the kind of the point of the song. Yeah. Because she's singing really close to the microphone <laughs> and it's like in your ears and it's it's a little bit yeah. tingly. I don't know, it's too much. Is that the one that's like some people ask me how can I love everybody or something? I said, I don't, don't be I, silly. I, I, don't, I don't remember. Yeah. Really yeah, but I know what you mean. Sure. She's like way too close to the mic and it almost <laughs> feels like it's about to distort and you're like, yeah. Yeah. But so. they're too good for that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I really I love this album. Yeah, it's a great little uh, little pop EDM kind of album. It was nice. Yeah. No, uh, that's that's all I got to say. I just really enjoyed it. What have you been listening to, my friend? Oh, As if we baby. didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like Asher said, I, this is actually I have many quiz questions this week. Um, the autumnal equinox happened um, two Fridays ago, and yep. for some reason, everyone and their mothers decided to release albums on that day. Um, and one of the ones is one I had been waiting for for quite a time. Hmm which is the third album from the Bristol punk post-punk band, the idols. Mm. Um, it's probably my most anticipated for the year. Um, unless, you know, Radiohead released a surprise album, but this is uh, something I've been waiting for. It won't be anticipated though. <laughs> yeah. Just be surprised. Um, holy moly. This record is like high octane and in your face. Um, I wouldn't call their last album particularly a, a lesson in subtlety, but in comparison, Ultra Mono is like it's the the front cover of the album um, is exactly what it is like a giant rubber ball hitting you in the face. That's how subtle this album is. A pink, a giant pink rubber ball hitting you in the <laughs> yeah. face, which it's so I didn't great. realize is a painting. Do you did you see it's a painting? Yeah, I think it's done by <coughs> the singer's dad. Maybe mm. I could be wrong about that. I know he's an artist. Mm. Um, anyway, this album is brutal and I love it to pieces. Um, I don't talk generals before specifics, Good. but the, the mixing and production on this record is, uh, I don't like a good word for it. It's exhausting to listen to in some ways. <laughs> Kenny Bates um, did a good job. Yeah, he did. the The drums and the bass are like super crunchy and pounding, mm. and just like brutal all the time. Um, there's lots of like similarities with like a hip hop production, but instead of being kind of crushed and flat in the mids like a compression would, it's it's actually used to expand the bottom end, and so it's really in your face. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure if that's Kenny Beats, the recording engineer, but either way the production on this album is really great and it's like sonically like so abusive to listen to for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I must confess, like I I've listened to it twice, but the second time I couldn't quite make it through again. I need to, 
<laughs> you get very tired. <laughs> it's the song, um, what's it, uh, Rains in the Middle, or it's just like an, it's an explosion and it hurts to listen to almost. Um, yeah, like it's kind of like, like this album kind of like looks at the world being on fire and then tries to make music out of like the sirens that are going off that hurt your ears too. Um, thematically, it's still very consistent. Uh, hmm. And I, and I think in the past, uh, they've been accused of having like really simple cliche lyrics, um, uncomplicated lyrics. And I think that criticism has kind of irked uh, the singer. And so he's kind of made it uh, more obvious and simple just to kind of like spit at people. He doubled down on his. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like they thought it would like make him kind of consider it more, but he's gone like more cliches. And there's a song like about like. Uh, Mr. Motivator, like how about them cliches? Like he even kind of like mentions yeah. it. But I love um, that about him, the way he repeats words. Um, in, yeah. Yeah, like he repeats a phrase again and again and again. I don't think that's simple. It's almost, almost like poetry, like a refrain yeah, that comes back. It's not a lack of creativity. It's on purpose. Mm. Um, all right. Uh, specifics. Uh, this album... Uh, starts really hard. The song "War" is oh, mental. I I love that's a, it. That's one that's of my, my favorite favorite. album. Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite song. the The onomatopoeias, the kind of sounds of the <laughs> weapons, is fantastic. Uh, and then like the the guitars are like planes, like flying overhead and like dropping bombs, and the drums are just like blistering, just like going. Hmm. Um. Oh, it's so good. Um, and that bass line, the kind of that kind of uh do 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 kind of drops down. It's quite interesting. Or is that the guitar part? I can't remember. I think it's the guitar for him. Okay. Um but yeah, this album just kind of uh is like ten tracks in a row of just fast audio punishment. And then the song Him happens. Hmm. And I really like actually that there's a break at the end that it kind of it's a slow burn and it's contemplative and it's a song about how like I want to be loved. Everybody does. Mm. And you've had all this, like this burst of energy and raw emotion and anger. And then this song kind of comes on, like slows everything down. Mm. Um, yeah. So I you kind were, of love you were wondering two, about that. You were wondering about that song when it came out as a single, where it would be on the yeah. album. I was curious if it was going to be an opener or a closer. It turns out it's a closer and that's kind of good, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think um, one or two songs in the middle are kind of a little bit boring in some ways. Um, they're, they're a little bit too audibly similar to each other, maybe. Yeah, I liked Model Village, um, but the track after it, the one that I can't pronounce didn't grab me as much well you can't pronounce carcinogenic no the net oh yeah yeah i uh yeah it's interesting i i just think like a lot of like the rhythms in the middle are kind of they're kind of the same to each other and it's it stands out when they're back to back in the middle of the album um Maybe they're sped up more or something like that. It's actually a little bit off like their first album, Brutalism, where they have kind of similar rhythms the whole way through. Um, but uh, this album is um, punishing and great 
and I love it. It's kind of like the endorphin high you get after like a really hard workout. Um, so I've been waiting for this and it didn't disappoint me. I, yeah, I strongly recommend ultra mono by the idols. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it shot to number one, uh, yesterday in the UK, in fact, which is, I think great for like That's a, great. Yeah. Good you on. know, like a, a, uh, <laughs> an aggressive punk, not pop kind of outfit hitting number one is so unheard of in like 2020 and it's great. Mm. I love it. That's great. Interestingly, the both times I've been listening to this, I've been jogging and it's been a pretty great <laughs> album to listen to while jogging. <laughs> I can imagine that. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I was watching a little bit of Anthony Fantano, but I try not to watch too much because I didn't want to have my kind of perception too biased just yeah. chatting about this with you. But he was saying that people have given them a bit of flack because they're like, oh, you're just virtue signaling and that sort of thing. I I was chatting with this about this with my wife. She's like, they're pretty genuine. And um, she, if anyone is uh, virtue signaling, she's like, <laughs> it's the homework you were given this week. So we'll discuss that later on. But um, We'll get to him. Yeah. But um, it, I think that they have done a really good job with this album. I mean, I don't know Brutalism, to be honest. Uh, I haven't listened yep. to it yet. I just thought this was a very interesting album and the opener of the album is brilliant so the the first three tracks blow you away so war grounds and mr motivator are some Mm. of my favorite songs on this album and they were just great right there at the start so anyway i've had them in my head all week and it's i i um i will probably get it at some point um just to listen to properly but um I'm I'm glad that you put this on my radar way back when, or them on my radar because I very much enjoyed them. <laughs> yeah, I you know you just gotta love a, an aggressive anti-war song. That kind of after the '80s punk scene died, war songs kind of became blasé and like yeah, you know, Green is Day it, rather than this thing interesting. Is it more than just physical war? Because I got an idea from the video clip that there's more going on there. I need to to check it out a bit more, but I feel like there's possibly um, an even a, a deeper subtext to it, but I'll, I could just be going mm. off something that's not true. Anyway. Anyway. Idols. Cool. Uh, all right. Homework. Homework. All right. So um, I had a hard time, as always, choosing Josh's homework two weeks ago. <laughs> I'm really bad at this. I have such a long list and I never know what order to give it to him in. And he's very methodical. I think he just goes from top to bottom. But I <laughs> I was I gave him something and then I was saw this tweet that made me change my mind completely about what I was giving him. And it, this tweet, you've probably seen it if you're on the internet. It said, I once heard Scar described as what plays in a 13-year-old kid's head when he gets extra <laughs> mozzarella sticks. <laughs> And I, it made me think, oh, Scar, Scar is great. And then I said to Josh, uh, have you heard of a band called Sounds Like Chicken and an album by them called Like a Cannonball to the Ocean Floor? And he knows a lot of Scar, but he said no. So that was his homework. What I, did you think? I do know, <laughs> I do know a lot of Scar. I, 
I feel it's a bit unfair of like an indie band from the 2000s that only put out one record in Australia. Um, uh, so I, I must confess to uh, Ska being one of my big musical wheelhouses. Um, I qualified for a musical university by writing a essay on the history of Ska um, off the top nice. of my head. So it's something that I love about a lot. And we talked a little bit about the uh, the death of uh, Toots Hibbert as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of why we were talking about Ska in the first place, um, yeah. who was one of the progenitors of Ska and perhaps even the person who coined the term reggae in the first place. So he's like a um, a big granddaddy of this genre and he passed away a little while ago. So we were kind mm. of talking about that. Um, so for the but, listeners who don't know ska, do you reckon you could describe the genre? Uh, yes. So uh, ska often consists of, these are some overlaying features, mm. uh, a horn section, uh, usually playing uh, rhythm hits, uh, a very high corded uh, rhythm guitar, which is actually where the name comes from, mm. making the ska sound, and sk- and sk- and sk- and sk- that kind of sound. Yeah. Um, and then uh, kind of a, a counter rhythm bass and then kind of punk drums going. Um, at least yeah. that's like after the 80s, it's kind of what Ska became. Mm-hmm. And there's been lots and lots of difference because it's been happening since like the 50s mm-hmm. and lots of different varieties of Ska have emerged. Um, it's kind of like heavy metal um, where there's like a bazillion different subgenres of Ska music. Well, this one I um, gave you is pirate ska. Yeah, it's pirate and it's Christian ska, which is also a subgenre. <laughs> There's a lot of Christian ska in the nineties, and um, it's also got a twinge of hardcore, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This album even actually reminded me a little bit of Five Iron Frenzy, which is a uh, American yeah, yeah. Cr- Christian ska band. Um, They've just actually had a Kickstarter for a new album. <laughs> yeah, they're still going. Um, as so. <laughs> So Sky is like a big part of my like teenagedom and Asher's as well. I have now discovered. Yeah. Uh, though though I am much less sophisticated than Josh when it comes to <laughs> Scar. So my my knowledge is very limited. So uh, yeah. I mean, I was a horn player in high school. Um yeah. and I ha- I think I had to dig up my old phone from school, but there's a photo <laughs> on it of uh my good buddy uh David Ad- uh, and the lead singer of Real Big Fish at oh. one of the small concert venues when you were like 15. Nice. So we've seen them a ton. We used to go a ton of times. Anyway, um, yeah. I I love Sky Music and it's uh, a very particular um, love for some people and some people hate it. Um, and I think this album, uh, which is quite a lot of songs on it, is mm. all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, is, it really is. I mean, back in like 2004 when this album came out, things like, you know, album composition didn't really matter as much. And so yeah. um, some of the songs in this album are like really dated. Yeah. And then some of them are still pretty good. Um, I should just precursor this. This was the first band I ever saw live. And perhaps yeah. that's like given me a silver lining. But this is an album that has kind of stayed with me because it's pretty fun. And it is a, there is some pretty good scar on it, and there's some pretty yeah. bad scar on it. So yeah, <laughs> don't worry, you don't have to. They're like long disbanded, and weirdly yeah. enough, as you discovered, some members yeah. became part of the Middle East. 
I heck couldn't is going believe on? <laughs> I could not believe when I read that on the Wikipedia article. I was like, oh. are you serious? <laughs> It's like Australia only has like 20 musicians, which we just shuffle around. (laughs) They're all just come back to the Middle East eventually. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Keep going. (laughs) That's right. Um, For the most part, this kind of falls into the um, hardcore, what I would say, like the East Coast uh, hardcore punk ska that exists. Mm. Um, One of my favorite particular ska bands called Big D and the Kids Table kind of exemplify this genre of like hardcore punk with ska elements. Um, also leaning more towards sometimes more pure ska songs. Um, and I found like the songs that I enjoyed off this album were more of the um, pure ska ones um, at the back end. Like um, it's called Split Beers and Drunken Tears, mm-hmm. uh, Taking a Bullet to the Grave and Take One Down. They're all a little more... yeah. Um, ska centric than like off brand pirate music centric that kind of thing. <laughs> Did you like the rapping and kind of <laughs> screamo stuff? Uh, I forget the name of the 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 rap song. That song is so dated. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I couldn't handle. I couldn't handle that. It sounds like something out of a Sonic the Hedgehog soundtrack from the two thousands. <laughs> yeah uh yeah i kind of like it i kind of like the the yelling rapping sort of thing and that 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 is nostalgia talking (laughs) yeah 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 and the funny thing was the dude who raps is like this really gangly trombone player and he would (laughs) do the rapping in the middle of everything so it was quite funny it's always the trombone player Sorry, yeah, I, I, I would I wouldn't call it a musical masterpiece, but it did transport me very heavily to 2005, and yep. I enjoyed digging back into that genre. Um, it's been a while since I've listened to a new ska release, and this mm. was a pleasure to kind of go through again. <laughs> yeah, it is long. It's like 52 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's and quite many quite hefty. 17 songs. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's a bit of a whirlwind of genres and some, yeah, it's very, don't listen to, what was it, the Ballad of William Stout, the one with the the Wilder Yak or something, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it covers a lot of ground and I would expect no less of a Scar album, but it covers a lot of ground. <laughs> the thing I love about Scar is it's so kind of upbeat and like there's so many genres mashed in. Like, like you say, this one covers a lot of genres, but also Scar does. Like, they have like almost punk blast beat sorts of things at times, yeah. and then they go just back into the normal reggae sort of Scar guitar offbeat things, and you just go, I don't know what's happening here, but <laughs> it's pretty fun. Anyway, I'm glad there was at least a couple of songs that were interesting. That's right. Thank, thank you for sounds like chicken ash for those. That's so. okay. Thanks for the history. Or thanks for a very condensed history on Scar. We should yeah, probably. I have, I have more written down, but I don't want to Did you? Did you want to say any more? No, that's good. <laughs> about Scar. You need to give me a, like a good Scar album later on. Ooh. Yeah, I was listening I to try. a bit of. I was listening to a bit of um, Real Big Fish and the Cat Empire this week as well. Um, oh just, yeah. Just to kind of, you know, get amongst all the the sounds. And I must 
I must confess I don't know tons of these bands, but I did enjoy them. Um, and I did enjoy just, yeah, just how joyful it can be, although Real Big Fish are pretty intense with their lyrics. Um, <laughs> it's the funny, you know, the juxtaposition of these heavy yeah. lyrics and happy sounds, but yeah. I mean, the first album was called Everything Sucks. <laughs> there you go. Do you, time. do you like Madness, by the way? Uh, I like parts of Madness. Yeah. I'm more of a fan of the specials, if you're talking about that era of British ska music. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know them much. That's a different conversation. Okay, cool. We'll say that for another time. <laughs> all right, homework. Yes. Um, all right, so this week, um, I decided to give Asher the second album by Father John Misty called I Love You, Honey Bear. Um, mm-hmm. So Father John Misty uh, is a, a moniker for a person named Josh Tillman, um, who is uh, a multi-instrumentalist, singer-songwriter, former drummer of the Fleet Foxes. Um, oh, right. And uh, this album was very much one that kind of got him some buzz after he started putting solo stuff out. Um, and in my head, it's very much a mm, tale of a modern folk singer. It's cynical. It's jaded. Um, in some ways, it's kind of repulsive and uh, disingenuous to its very core. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but on top of that, I do actually love the sonic palette of this album um the kind of like dreamy but grounded acousticness of it and then um even like the electronic song um true affection i adore um but it seems to be like some kind like it seems to be like a joke but the joke is that he has to like sing this album to us lyrically but anyway we'll get to him uh what Mm. did you think asher so this is kind of in the category of the devastatingly beautiful albums that I keep, you know, things like Rufus Wainwright's Want 1 and 2. Um, yes. Where there is just so, talking about juxtaposition, there is so much beauty in the sound and so much heartache in the lyrics that it's it's really hard to listen to a lot. Yeah. Because... You know, Rufus Wainwright, interestingly, the thing I want to ask you, so if Rufus Wainwright writes autobiographically, which is even more de- devastating because the songs are so sad and there's so much that he's going through and then there's so much lush orchestral beauty on top. It's just, it's a very sad ride. Um, Father John Misty was very similar in it. had that almost vaudeville but very sedated vaudeville if Mm. that makes sense like kind of dreamy major seven chords um at times and i love this sound like i love the acoustic guitar not being the driving force like it's there but it's actually about all the other instruments around it Mm. and how it's almost like a um yeah like a a really good musical theater number, not like a dancey number, but like kind of a drama, almost almost like a little opera sort of thing, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I really loved it. Ironically, I did not like True Affection and that palette. 
I didn't like the electronic in the mix of that. I mean, it was well done, but it just didn't feel like I, I didn't want that in there. I wanted to continue this this beautiful orchestral feel the whole way. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's got that jazzy crooner kind of thing. And I watched him sing um, Bored in the USA on Letterman <laughs> and him, you know, on the piano and all this sort of thing was uh, was very apropos. The, <laughs> um, it was... <laughs> What was the quote I I sent you from from my wife? <laughs> stop! Oh, uh, like stop. get off the self playing piano and do something about yeah, it. Yeah, get off the piano. Stop winching and do something about the world. So, <laughs> this leads me to the lyrics. And the thing I have to ask is: Is this autobiographical? Is this a character, or is this him? Uh that's kind of the enigma behind the music. Um, some songs are autobiographical, maybe less so on this album. Um, the Josh Tillman song. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about him. That's but terrible. not all of them are. That was one of the uh, most awful songs on the album. The album, uh, I think it's called God's Favorite Customer. It's uh, one of his more recent ones. That's mostly about him having like right. a breakdown in a hotel. Um, but right. um, I think it's mostly a persona to observe the world through that he tries. Right. And, and I think with that in mind that he doesn't, I don't think he particularly thinks that he's being genuine when he does this stuff. Maybe he does. I don't, I don't know him, but that's the impression that I get. Yeah. I guess it does seem very pompous. It's very pretentious and yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, talking about the virtue signaling, it feels a little bit like I'm super deep, talking about how bored I am in the USA, you know, like, look at me kind of thing. And, and maybe uh, the thing is, I don't mind this so much. <laughs> My wife had a big reaction to it. Though. She's just like, it's so, it's so pretentious. Um, more and more, we've been talking about some of the music that, you know, I've, that you've given me or that I've been listening to. And it's been quite interesting hearing her reactions too, because she, reacts more to the like vibe and the lyrics of it. So I, I mean, I don't mind listening to him. I didn't feel like I reacted as badly or like as in reacted as strongly to his persona, but um, yeah, just a warning. Like if you do listen to this, there's some pretty intense things and themes yeah. um, in the lyrics and yeah, it's not always pleasant to listen to, but I, I mean, I did like songs like bored in the USA. I thought that that was, I thought that even though he is quite pretentious, I think that there was something very interesting to observe in that kind of, uh, yeah, it, it kind of encapsulated a little pocket of his worldview about things. Mm. And I find that interesting taking the temperature of culture and going, oh, what is, where are people at? What are they thinking? And so that was a really good song. I loved the first part of the album, um, Honey Bear, the first song was pretty great. Um, yeah. Let me just pull up. Sorry, I can't remember the tracks. I, the I think um, I think Board in the USA and the track after it are kind of the the heartbeat of the album thematically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like I don't know. Like I think he's like so close to saying something 
relatively profound for the music industry. Yeah. But the fact that it's so cynical, I think it means it's more like desperation rather than actually being helpful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which still draw, draws me to like observe that um, personally. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, f- I've had him on my radar. I almost bought an album, uh, true comedy of his a while yeah. ago. And That's actually, the one after this one. yeah. And actually I was listening to, um, entertainment forever. What's the one? Um, Total entertainment <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. which I really like as a song because, um, I don't know. I like people critiquing culture. I like hearing mm. that sort of thing. And that's another very sad song, but it's, it's quite, it's quite profound in like, you know, at the end when history looks back on us and all that we had, they would, would say, what a wonderful place this must have been. Where in fact, you know, the video clip and the lyrics are showing that it was not <laughs> a wonderful time to have everything all the time and every bit of entertainment all the time. And so I find yeah. that song more profound than these some of these ones but they were mm. good yeah mm. um I, I enjoyed it i i don't think that i'll listen to it very much um but i will keep it in the back of my mind and um i did love hearing uh letterman have to say i love you honey bear uh that was a <laughs> highlight for me <laughs> but yeah I, uh... it, it's a beautiful album if you like rufus wainwright I feel you will probably like this. So I will, I will say rather controversially, I think true affection is my favorite song off the album. That's fine. Yeah. It didn't I, grab um, me, but I can see, I can see it's a really good song. Yeah. So uh, are people get put off by the, like the electronic nature of it in the middle of the album or at the beginning of the album. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the point of the song is how um, communication through technology is difficult and doesn't really work. Hmm. Um, and so people are like, find this sudden technology abrasive in the middle of this album. Mm. And I think that's kind of the point of it, but I, that's cool. So. Anyway. I like that. I don't know if, like, as in, I, I like the concept of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, found it interesting. No, I really did. Thank you for that. Shall we move on to honorable mentions? I have kind of a big one. So, um, oh, that's right. Okay. That's, <laughs> so I thought you were just going to say this for another review. Well, I just want to put a marker in it. I'm not going to give it a review. Don't worry. Um, so last episode, I mentioned that Sufjan had an album coming out and it also came out on the 25th along with idols <laughs> and with Sylvan Esso and probably a bunch of other albums that we don't know about. Um, mm-hmm. now, I was going to do a full review of this and I may do a full review of it in the future. Um, I haven't done so because uh, to be honest, Sylvan Esso was kind of consuming my time and I was really enjoying that. So I just kind of went with my gut. And also I, I like a few other people who I've chatted to about this album have been left a little bit cold with Sufjan's new album, The Ascension. Um, Hmm. It's, it's very well made. It just, doesn't seem to have the same connection that other albums do. I don't know. I It's 80 minutes long too, which <laughs> means that it's a mammoth task. I it's only so got huge. to listen to it through twice in, in the week that, um, you know, has just been. 
And I kind of want to give it a little bit more time before I give yeah. any sort of formal assessment of it. Um, I just wanted to say I'm listening to it. And I did want to say that I there are some really beautiful songs on this, um, particularly the title track, The Ascension, um, a song called Goodbye to All That. And I really enjoyed the opening track, um, which was Make Me an Offer I Cannot Refuse. So there is some really interesting stuff on this album and a lot of lyrical um, things that need to be attended to and and focused on. Um, I just have not kind of grasped it. Um, So, yeah, I I just wanted to say I'm listening and, (laughs) yeah, shoot me an email or a text or or a, a tweet or something if you're listening and tell me your thoughts. I'm just interested to chat about it. Um... Because like most Sufjan albums, they're a bit oblique. Um, I mean, this one apparently he's not using any of his usual storyteller techniques and he's mainly speaking directly as himself. Um, But I still find it a bit oblique because some of the songs I just don't quite understand. Uh, And that might be just me not being thoughtful enough about it. But um, I also just need a little bit more time. So anyway, I was just marking that. Do you mean opaque, by the way? Oh, sorry, opaque, not oblique. It's <laughs> right. It's it's early in the morning for you. I um, <laughs> you'll have to forgive my ignorance because it's been a while since I listened to uh, Carrie and Lowell, but that yeah. was a very personal album. Um, yeah, it's it's quite like uh, intense and direct in some ways. Yeah. Okay. And is that is that the disconnect between these two? You would say like that's kind of what people are feeling, or. I don't know. So it depends how long you've been listening to Sufjan. Um, so if you've been listening since Illinois and um, Michigan, you'll know that he kind of tells stories that may or may not be true to kind of portray a feeling or a me- or meaning. Um, sure. If you kind of really got into him around Karen Lowell, even there, there are some things which are apocryphal, like, there's just stuff that you may that may or may not be true, um, but it's kind of the vibe of things more. Um, but apparently, on the ascension, he's speaking very directly, and although songs like "Sugar," I just don't quite understand on this new one, um, which doesn't seem very direct. So I'm not a I'm not a big I don't understand Sufjan's lyrics in the way that some people kind of have analyzed them. I'm not really in it for that. I really just enjoy his music as, as music. Um, and some of my favorite songs are not on kind of his, well, I mean, so I really enjoy some of his, his other albums, like all delighted people and that sort of thing, which is mm. um, not like a huge favorite, but I don't know. I just love his sound. I love his his um his the way he's so meticulous about writing and all that sort of thing and this new album is very there's so much detail there's so much attention to detail and it's and it's just basically him he recorded it he wrote it all he played pretty much everything except for one of the Destin brothers I think Aaron playing some guitar solos and and um his drummer playing some parts and things and he did all the artwork he's done so much for it and put so much effort into it i want to kind of yeah. give it a bit more time no that makes perfect anyway. sense yeah um i've got uh, just a couple more quick ones um sure i i've been loving 
neutral milks um, in an aeroplane over the sea <laughs> again. I just, it's such a great album. And we were talking about this. And so you don't love every track. I've come to appreciate uh, pretty much all of them. O Comely is probably the the point which I find a little bit hard, but it's still a really good song. Um, but I've just been listening to it a bunch of times this week. And if you haven't heard Neutral Milk Hotels in an Aeroplane Over the Sea, I highly recommend it. Um, uh, sorry, interest of time. I'm just going to kind of uh, <laughs> finish off mine. Sorry, I don't want you to go on so long. Keep going, keep um, going. Happy birthday to uh, um, Half Hand of Clouds' uh, Stowaways album. Um, oh. So on the 28th of September, um, uh, Half Hand of Clouds' album, Stowaways as shortening, and I'm just trying to look up the full name of the album because it's quite long. Um, <laughs> it's called the album is called As Stowaways um, in Cabinets of Surf. We live out our in our members a kind of rebirth. So this album turned um, ten uh, just in September, and I've been listening to it a bunch. It's not my favorite Half Any Cloud album. It's a, a very interesting there's a different um tack it's not kind of like scripture sung um though it does include scripture and it's a lot of kind of other musings about um kind of water and um and all sorts of like uh, so water and the spirit and other things it's very it's very interesting um, okay. Sorry, the Stowaways LP was partly informed by the connection between water and blood, which is 95% water. Um, and then it lists a whole bunch of things, you know, Broian's motion, the moon's relationship with tides, Charles Ives' fourth symphony, the mechanics of Cassion engineering, Bruce Newman's 1960s process, advertising post-minimalistic artwork, etc. There's a whole <laughs> list of like random influences that... <laughs> that were a part of this album it's a pretty great album and uh one of my favorite songs is on it Um, one of uh, my favorite songs by him i think it's it's called called out on the ice we face our hearts so if you want to give that a listen go for it it's pretty great um two more uh an album called distill which is out on flag day recordings um i uh pre-ordered a while ago and have just gotten around to listening to it um it's really cool it's like um electronic soundscapes based upon photographs and the the attention to detail and the soundscaping is incredible on this one there's some like incredible bass parts so like as in sub bass and all these Mm. interesting um um field recordings and things like that so check that out that's in the show notes and lastly, it wouldn't be complete without a video game soundtrack uh, recommendation. <laughs> um, just quickly, I've been listening to the Fall Guys soundtrack, um, the new Ultimate mm. Knockout one, and it's pretty great. It's like really yeah. cheery and fun, and I just love it. So um, that it's was funky. Re- yeah, it's really funky. It um, re- have you been playing it? I've never played it. I played it once or twice. I've listened to the songs a little bit though. Yeah. It's um, written by a guy from Finland, uh, Jukio Kalino, or Kalio, <laughs> apologies for the pronunciation, and Good Daniel Hagstrom. So anyway, it's just a very quick little six-song EP, but I really dig it, so check it out. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> 
All right, I got a couple big ones as well. You have to forgive me. No, uh, that's we mentioned fine. It at the top, uh, at the top of the show, we had uh, Kid A's twentieth birthday. Mm. Um, so I listened to basically nothing but that and Amnesiac yesterday. I listened um, to Kid A yesterday too. I just, I, yeah, I, I got my, I got my vinyl out and put it on the record player and just kind of listened oh, to it. I, I want that on vinyl. <laughs> it's a, it's a beautiful album. Um, and there's a little post on our Instagram, me talking about it. It's such a, it was such a creative turn from okay. Computer to like, let's ditch the guitars um, ditch like the analog instruments and make something completely different. And this is like 2000 and it's uh, quite avant-garde back then um, hmm. to have, you know, uh, nonsense vocals under vo- like layers of vocoders hmm. and like lots of bloops and bloops and that kind of stuff. But I think it still holds together very well. Um, and I, yeah, to this day, the self-titled Kid A track and um some of the other ones remain some of my favorites hmm. by them it's just a good album yeah yeah we were chatting well you sent me a really interesting um cover um chris thiel and and some other people covering kid a on banjos yeah, was, um, and and violin uh mandolin and all that that was quite yeah. quite incredible to watch yeah yeah i've I found that so there's a, a fairly famous cover that I sent you by John Mayer of Kid A. <laughs> I haven't listened to it and, yet. <laughs> uh, people for some reason really enjoy that cover. To me, it makes no sense to like the the song itself. Kid A as a as a purpose is made to be like unintelligible. Yeah, and to cover to cover that with like an acoustic guitar. Like a nice singing voice and to sing these nonsense words makes very little sense to me. Um, but to do it vocalistly, like the the bluegrass group did, mm. I think that's much more creative and much more in line with the song itself. Yeah, and then they got the double bass bowing to play the the vocal melody because it's yeah. almost unintelligible. I have so no idea creative. what's being said, so you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I anyway. really like Kid A as well, and listening to it yesterday, um, it's interesting. I feel like I've grown a bit as a Radiohead listener since <laughs> since <Yes>. first getting <laughs> since first getting Kid A, and and like I think that it's still a fantastic album. I I mean I never know what's one of my favorite Radiohead albums because now mm. I'm like oh I really love In Rainbows, and there are parts of OK Computer that I really like too. But I mean. Kid A is very fascinating. I mean, it has two of my favorite tracks. I know you don't like it, and I know that everyone else does. Um, Everything <laughs> in its right place is a pretty fantastic song. I think that people really like it because of that awesome opening um, synth kind of part. I, yeah, it's <clears throat> it's like a it's the welcomer to the world of Kid A. This like weird, yeah, like bleak soundscape that they exist in, and it's like. Yeah. Everything's in its right place and here you are kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's nice to start on an anacrusis. It's just kind of like you feel <laughs> like you're falling into it. So, yeah. And then Idiotech is another one of my favorites. Um, Idiotech is great. Yeah. And motion picture soundtrack really is quite beautiful, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's they they say that the organ they play it on is broken, which is why they don't play it live anymore. Um, I think it's a bad reason, but the um, I should say the original uh, recording of Idiotech, which kind of Johnny sampled together, is fifty minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom just like took a section of it and started singing over it, and they kind of put that together. Nice. It's like, oh my goodness. And I was trying to tell you this yesterday in a text, and it wasn't coming across. Um, I, although like this was quite avant garde, looking back, it doesn't feel too out of the Radiohead bubble in some ways. And maybe that's just hindsight. Um, <laughs> yeah a- any more maybe i yeah i don't know it, but but still when i was listening to it i'm like some of these feel like songs which could have been on okay computer um maybe only one or two of them <laughs> but like i don't know maybe that's a dumb thing to say so anyway i just no i, I don't I've, i'm not I've, like totally oh my goodness this is so different and how could they think that anyone would like this you know I reckon songs like Optimistic and Morning Bell, you could put on OK Computer and get away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are more rock songs. Yeah. Anyway, hmm. uh, next, uh, another album that was released on the Autumnal Equinox <laughs> of album releases. Yeah. Uh, Fleet Fox's album Shore. Ah, uh, yeah. So um, I actually quite often put Fleet Foxes and Father John Misty in my head as like two different sides of a similar coin. Whereas mm-hmm. um, Father John is grounded, but still has quite a dreamy aesthetic to him, but is like rooted in you know his own self-cynicism and the instruments. Fleet Foxes is like um, dreamy and then completely fantastical and not grounded. Um, hmm. And I don't particularly love the Fleet Foxes. I... I keep listening to them hoping that something will grab me. And I feel each time that like it's missing some kind of teeth behind it, some kind of bite. Um, mm. So this album does have a couple songs I like um, a little more like uh, drum and rhythm focused than maybe some of their other songs. The whole concept of this album is like, you know, being on beaches and whatnot. Um, so it's a little more, Rooted that's in the reality concept of the album. Being on nah, I, <laughs> that's not. I'm being very dis- disingenuous with my interpretation of their okay. album. Um, <laughs> it is, it is beach and sand related. That's what I'll say. <laughs> oh um, but I found I found some of the songs like a little more in the vein of like some some nice like seventies dad rock with like the Fleet Foxes over top of it, and I actually quite enjoyed some of those. So this album has some light to it, I found. Hmm. I only uh, know the album you gave me. I think it's self-titled, which has the yeah, um, uh, yeah the really popular one on it, but I enjoyed it. Light Winter Hymnal? Yeah. Uh, yeah Ironically, the only album Josh Tillman is on by them. Oh, right. Is he singing? As, as the, uh, he, yeah, singing and drumming. Yeah. I enjoyed that album, um, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all right. See, that's kind of it like it's not quite everything it needs to be something else too anyway um there is a new uh gorillas song a new sound machine song yeah so um they have now like released a album 
called the Sound Machine album. And it's, I would say it's like a non, it's not really an album. It's more just a collection of songs. These kind of singles releases that they've been doing constantly. Hmm. Um, and they've all been really good, but very unrelated from each other, which I find weird as an album concept. Which is but, probably why they were released separately. But yeah. yeah. Um, so they released a new one with Elton John. What? And oh, that's why I, I saw the Gorillaz version of Elton John. Yeah, exactly. Oh, right. I was I like, sh- what on earth is going on here? It's a, uh, it's like a nice <clears throat> kind of like a, an end of summer ballad. And it's really sweet. I actually found hmm. myself like kind of bored by it the first time through, but then like the second and 20th time of like, I actually really enjoy this. And Elton John is obviously a very good singer yeah. and does bring some character to the song. Um, the whole thing is kind of like it has that that still kind of techno um, background to it. And then this big piano ballad over top of it. And I've been really enjoying that song. I'll have to check that out. That sounds very intriguing. Yeah. And also, you know, cartoon Elton John. Mm. Um, and then last and certainly not least, <laughs> I know uh, this is. the album Mouth Dreams by Neil Sergio. <laughs> Um, oh, my goodness. so for those of you who don't know, uh, I didn't Neil know. Sergia, <laughs> Neil Sergia is a internet, uh, savant. Um, he sometimes goes by the name lemon demon, but he's been responsible for a number of internet, um, formations. So the ultimate battle of ultimate destiny songs by him, um, the Potter Puppet Pals are also his work. What? I had no idea um, that was him. And then in his own time, he makes very strange music. Um, <laughs> I was trying to listen to this album while I was doing some work and I was so distracted. Keep going with exploding it. <laughs> so this is his fourth album. And what he what he does is he takes songs and mashes them together um, previous albums have been much more uh, Shrek and All Star by Smash Mouth related, especially the first two. Um, but this one is much more freeform mashups together. And I describe it as kind of like a train accident you can't look away from or like some kind of eldritch horror from like an old novel that like it's too terrifying but you can't stop listening to it. Um, and you have like these random, like, like things you think that don't work or shouldn't work. And he makes them play together in a fascinatingly strange and terrifying way. Um, so like tears for fears, um, song, everybody wants to rule the world mixed with like Marilyn Manson and Chili's baby back rib advertisement. Um, what was the one or, with can't touch this and oh, what was it? <laughs> what was it on top? Was it a green day song? I, I think so. Oh, and then um, there was Peter Gabriel. Or was Peter Gabriel on top of? Oh. Uh, there's a couple of Peter Gabriel ones in this section. There's like Sledgehammer and Limp Biscuit together. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then I was listening or, to the Pixies uh, and Stacy's mum. Like, where is my mind? Stacy's mum was like, oh. Goodness, what's happening here? So this album is like it's quite long. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just one SoundCloud track, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's like an hour and a bit, and there's like 26 songs, and each one is basically just as insane as the last, honestly. Hmm. Um, uh, this is definitely as um, strange as some of my musical tastes get. Um, but I find often in these, um, this insane punch bowl of mashups that are his albums, there's one or two songs that are like, these are genuinely nice to listen to. Mm. Um, I find, uh, he has an old mashup of all star and imagined by John Lennon, um, which is surprisingly comforting. (laughs) I haven't listened to it. You said that through. Does it have a picture of Paul McCartney on it, though? Yes. Shrekified Paul McCartney. And it's like the All-Star song is pitched down to, like, fit in the register of Imagine. That's completely demented. But um, that takes some serious talent, actually. It's it's quite hard. I don't know how he makes these. Like, Like, A, the process of getting such clean tracks of these very famous songs and B putting them together. Like some seem to be tangentially word related rather than music related, (laughs) but still work somehow like Aerosmith and Everlong together. Yes. Like it calls it like Aerolong. And like, like that's the, that's the whole pun. And the the song still works. It works. (laughs) Yeah, because I heard the start of Everlong, I was like, huh. And then it was, I don't want to miss a thing or something. I just, (laughs) it was so distracting to listen to. I'm sorry for unleashing that on you. No, no, it's it's great. I can only say I made it through a third of the album, though. So I should give it a bit more of a listen. Anyway, that's all my honorable mentions. (laughs) Nice. You weren't going to mention Mark, um, how do you say his name? Oh. Uh, Mark Ribelet. Yeah. Ribier. Ribier. Have you um, listened to that also yet? Known as, uh, also known as Loop Daddy. I have not listened to it. No, I've got uh, Mark it on Ribier my list. is, he is a uh, internet sensation. Um, he makes uh, very uh, groovy loops, basically on his own, um, with keys and a loop machine, mm. and uh, sings quite well over them. Uh, I'd never heard of him until I watched a thing called The Cave, which is a thing Kenny Beats does where he brings people in and they do a song in a day, basically. And mm. Mark played in that and blew me away with his organ playing, frankly. Mm. Um, but uh, he's, uh, I've, I've seen it described as like Ned Flanders, but in like a <laughs> funk body. It's really, it's, it's a, there's a strong dichotomy between him, how he looks as a person and the music that he makes, but it's very impressive. And he just released, I want a, a new album on Bandcamp, I think. So yeah. Sorry, I thought you were going to talk about it. I was like, oh, no, I, I, I was no. about to give it a listen. I haven't yet, but it was on my I have not had a chance to listen to it either, actually, to be honest with you. So, I'll, what have you been doing, Josh? I've been listening to Mouth Dreams instead. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to episode fourteen of what we're listening to. Um, yeah, thanks for kind of checking out the podcast and giving us a listen and engaging and all that sort of thing. We really appreciate feedback and thoughts and uh, music to listen to and all that sort of thing. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and our website and um, share us around with your friends. And I hope you have a great couple of weeks and we'll see you 
next time. Bye. See you, Josh. See you, buddy.